Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the podcast from another world and today we are celebrating Independence Day here in the US and so why not celebrate this wonderful, wonderful holiday with an episode on, well, a really random film and uh, I'll let Dave tell you all about it. Expedition 6. Anchorage from Polar Expedition 6. Can you hear me? Over. Had I mentioned these other solar systems, merely to indicate that life can and does exist on other planets as well as our own. Sounds like, well, just as though you're describing some form of super carrot. That's nearly right, Mr. Scott. This carrot, as you call it, constructed an aircraft capable of flying some millions of miles through space. The world's greatest battles was fought and won today by the human race. Soldiers and civilians met the first invasion from another planet. And now, before giving you the details of the battle, I bring you a warning. Every one of you listening to my voice, tell the world, tell this to everybody wherever they are. Watch the sky. Welcome to the podcast from another world. I'm your host, Phantom Dark Dave. Today is the 4th of July, and I gotta start off by saying Happy Independence Day! And you know, what better way to celebrate the 4th of July than talking about a movie that came out on the 4th of July? It's from 1996. It's the horror comedy Uncle Sam. Just when you think to stand up and salute the flag, Uncle Sam is back with a vengeance. A Kuwaiti military unit discovered a mass grave in the desert. They positively identified the body. Johnny, stay away from the coffin. You never fought for your country. You just killed for the love of killing. Now, Uncle Sam has a contract on America. <gasps> Draft dodgers, watch out. Someone's been killed. Tax cheaters, beware. <laughs> no one will ever burn another flag. <laughs> Nobody will ever desecrate another grave. Politician will ever tell another lie. And the July 4th weekend will never be the same again. From William Lustig, director of Maniac and the Maniac Cop trilogy, comes an all new terror experience. Uncle Sam. 
He's a red-blooded, all-American nightmare. Uncle Sam wants you dead. And joining me for this episode, he is the host of the Fave Five from Fans Podcast, a brother from the SIP Network. Please welcome back to the show, Jamie Ray. Fed up Dark Dave! Happy Independence Day, brother. Thank you for having me. Happy Will Smith Day. How you doing? Doing well, sir. If I was doing any better, I'd have to pay somebody. There you go. Well, if you want to pay me for this podcast, that's okay. The check is in the mail. Well, no, that's probably the VHS tape that's in the mail, and I'll publicly (laughs) say thank you. You are very welcome. A VHS tape that I don't have is the one for the movie that we're talking about today. And I want to start off by talking about first-time watches and experiences of this movie. And since you're the guest on the show, I'm going to let you go first. Please tell us, when did you hear this movie? Well, I I knew about this movie because, talk about first-time watches, first-time seeing the tape itself. With that lenticular cover, mm. man, that that blew me away. That reminded me of the stuff from the late '80s and early '90s, like Demon Wind. I hadn't seen the movie probably since it came out. What I was '96, right? Right. So I I probably saw it around that time and did not see it again. So when you invited me to come on here and I went to Tubi TV to watch it, thank you Tubi TV. It was really like a whole new rewatch. And I absolutely fell in love with this movie hard. Not necessarily because it's a spectacular movie. Not necessarily because it's a huge budget movie. But everybody in this movie is committed. They are definitely committed. And I like to describe this movie to people in the idea that I've heard someone else talk about a different movie. And that is, this is a movie that you can just shut your brain off and enjoy. Yeah, that's good. I don't like something... This isn't Inception. Shout out to Julie, right? Okay, so this movie is Uncle Sam, and we talked about the cover, man. I remember specifically seeing this VHS tape in Blockbuster. This is not a movie I rented, though, but even when you walk past it, you always had to pick up the cover and just turn it to the left and the right and just watch it because it said, Uncle Sam, I want you. And then you turn it, and Uncle Sam would now be a rotting corpse, and it would say, Dead. He's yeah. pointing at you. It's so, they don't do that anymore. There were some amazing covers that used to do that. Well, I was going to say, I can't even think of a DVD that did that. Well, I can tell you one that doesn't have lenticular, but my favorite DVD case of all time Ooh. has got to be my Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Both of them are shaped like the Necronomicon, and they're squishy. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. And if you, Yeah, and if you press it, it... <laughs> Well, see, now you just gave away, you know, if you ever do a top five favorite DVD covers, man, that'd have been a good one. Oh, oh, damn it. That's okay. I think only seven people listen to my show. It's two or three more than you, right? So Wow, two or three more yes. for sure. <laughs> oh, can I give a shout out to Norway? Hi, Norway. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> got my one listener there. Got to treat him nice. Well, I hope he finds his way over here. You put on a good show, so you might as well come over here and check out what you're saying over here. Thank you, sir. You you put out a good show. No, I just drink too much Monster. <laughs> Truth. But Truth. I got to tell you, Jamie, I saw this movie right when it came out, too, but my mind was blown because when I watched this TV, it was on the USA Network, and I'm sure it was a 4th of July weekend release or something, and my mind was blown that this wasn't a made-for-TV movie because 
even when you watch this on 2B TV, the way it does the cut breaks for ads is like I remember watching it on the USA Network and it would cut to a commercial. Yeah. But there are a couple of little things in this movie. There's a little bit of nudity. There's a couple of graphic death scenes. So you're like, okay, it had to have been edited on the USA Network. So I can't remember, like, oh, that wasn't in the other version or whatnot. But it brings me so much joy because this is a movie from my childhood, right? There's my age. <laughs> and it's one that in the 90s, and people will know this if they listen to when Neil and I came on your podcast and talked about underrated favorite horror movies of the 1990s. I mentioned this one somewhere in my five as being one I wanted to talk about, not knowing that it was one that ranked really high on my list. And that's because, yeah, nostalgia plays a factor. Like, I remember being happy in that time because that's when I was really, like, knee-deep into horror. And at that time, like, there was no such thing as a bad horror movie because any horror movie was good because they were so scarce, right? We couldn't stream them. Yes, preach. But let me tell you, even defeating all those factors... There is so much in this movie that we talked about behind the scenes that we're going to reveal now that make this movie good. And it's, yes, everybody's committed, but it's there's something for everybody in this movie. Whether it be you love you know some of the old horror actors, or you like the exploitation uh, actors, or you just like to see stuff get blowed up real good, it's in this movie. Yeah, and they do a fine job of doing it. And plus, let's be honest, how many Independence Day horror movies are there? Not very many. <laughs> Not like this, anyway. There's Well, there is that one with uh, that guy that used to be the Fresh Prince. I don't remember the name of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, the one with the guy from Earth Girls Are Easy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that one. Yeah. Whatever it's, it's called. I heard he rubs JD's back. But only people who listen to the Back in Time podcast will catch that reference. But you know what? One thing we got to talk about is let's run through a little bit of the behind the scenes, right? Let's talk about three filmmakers involved in this movie. And we'll, we'll just start right off with the writer because for anybody who looks this movie up, they're going to realize it's written by somebody that you admire. My man, Larry Cohen. Hey, Larry, what? <laughs> who we just lost last year. We did. It's bittersweet. Yeah, it was. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I've actually been, I've been working on a podcast right now uh, for my fave five Larry Cohen films. And man, talk about a hard list. This guy not only has been a writer or a director, a producer, uh, but he's put out so many things. He's he put out It's Alive, Maniac Cop, uh, the Ed McBain's 87th Precinct. They have maybe two or three movies like that. He created The Invaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite obscure movies, A Return to Salem's Lot. And my favorite the stuff yes that's a spoiler so if you listen to that episode it's already spoiled for you i'm sorry but i love the stuff well seven people are disappointed but that's okay (laughs) hey i'm with you man i love the stuff and that's a podcast for a whole nother time because we could gush about that movie all day how many times can you go find a movie about killer yogurt exactly one time that's where you could find it one time if they ever try to remake that movie we will riot I, I'm not a fan of this. I don't get political. But when you remake the stuff, now you cause problems. There's no need to. There's no need. Could you imagine it'd be all digital, man? It'd be horrible. Uh, God, yeah. And people maybe can say Mira what Savino they want. Would, maybe Mira Savino would be in it again because hmm. she survived. This, <laughs> spoiler. Did I you tell you so she, liked, yes, she liked my yes, tweet? I remember <laughs> that. Actually, dude, we were talking that day, and you were like, Dave, you'll never guess what happened. I'm like, what's up? And then you showed me, and I'm like, that's legendary. <laughs> so... 
it's always fun. Like, and this is the kind of geeks that we are, you know. When I mean, somebody out there in La La Land wants to pay attention f- to these little podcasters, even for a second, about movies that are our life, it just shines so much more light on it. Yes, it made me giggle for sure. It did, but I, I, I squealed like a uh, like a schoolgirl. I heard you through the phone. Actually, it was quite <laughs> impressive. Um, but man, phone booth. Right, Larry Cohen wrote Phone yeah. Booth, and I remember God told me I to. saw that in theater, and I was just like, you know, for a movie that takes place in one area the whole time, I liked this. <laughs> yeah, and you know, too, another favorite that doesn't get a lot of love is Q, the Winged Serpent. Yes, and I'm glad you said it that way, because some people, if you look it up, you'll just find it as Q, and then if you actually track down the movie, you can see the Winged Serpent. So, Another Michael Moriarty vehicle. Mm. Well, and you even mentioned Return to Salem's Lot. I'm sure some folks didn't even realize there was a sequel to that. Yeah, that's true. You know, I went for a long time thinking, God, I, I knew I'd seen, a, you know, a follow-up to it, but I couldn't really find it anymore. Right, because it's and not And then there came Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, man. And did you ever see Captivity by chance? It was kind of a, it was a straight-to-DVD release. I think it was those After Dark film pictures, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't seen that it one. It wasn't yet. great, but... Since you're a Larry fan and probably a completionist, it's probably worth a watch because it might be better than I remember. But it was part of that series, and so I had to go up against all the other movies in that series. So, yeah. okay. but hey, yeah, yeah, that was down then. I'm gonna have to watch. That. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, since I'm not going to be on that, Larry, I'm going to tell you my favorite Larry Cohen movie, dude. It's alive all day long. Love, yes. love another love Michael that Moriarty movie. vehicle. <laughs> There's another podcast. (laughs) But, uh, all right, man. Well, hey, let's switch gears real quick. Let's talk about the director. William Lustig, right? Yes. Or is it Lustig? I think it depends where you're from. And what else did he do? There's some crossover, man, because he also worked on Maniac Cop, but not even just the first one. He did all three. And and he also did Maniac. But, you know, he doesn't have as many directing credits as he does producing credits because he has like over a hundred production credits yes i remember seeing that it looks like something he picked up late in his career like especially after 2000 2001 and one thing that i noticed when i was thumbing through everything was the amount of dedication which you'll see in this movie as well towards italian horror Mm -hmm. yeah you could see the love he's got for it for sure Fulci, man. Argento. I mean, oh, I can't wait till you do a top five the Argento masters. podcast. That's going to be awesome. Oh, I know. I know. Working on them both. <laughs> but, yeah, you can definitely see his style in this movie because some of the, you know, there's a little perverse to it. There's the graphic nature to it. There's a little of the comedy aspect to it of not taking itself too seriously. And then there's some moments where you have that Jalo kill, you know, where you see kind of the POV murder. So I enjoy it. Do you know what part jumped out at me that just screamed Jallo? Tell me. What you remember when the kid, the blind kid, uh, is they, they're pushing him in the wheelchair, and Uncle Sam comes up to him and touches his face and talks to him. I was like, man, that was just—I don't know—for some reason that whole little scene just made me think of of every Italian horror movie I've ever seen. That's ironic because I thought of Michael Jackson. <laughs> But yes, I know exactly what you're saying. And that was a, man, as odd of a scene as it was, it was immensely creepy. Yes, it was. And especially the parents who just kind of left him there, you know? Oh, man. Hi, honey. Who was that guy stroking your cheeks? <laughs> your burned cheek. Yeah. <laughs> That's something that we're going to get into because here in a few, I want to talk about especially who that mom was. Yeah. 
Yes. Let me ask you, one other person that worked on this movie that uh, I think you might know was the cinematographer. Oh, the cinematographer who you're going to find him under two different names. First name, always James, but he'll go by James A. Lebovitz. See, it rolls off the tongue. Lebovitz. Lebovitz. <laughs> But you know what? I like the other one because it's James London. And if I had been being honest, I would totally change my last name to London if I could. Mm. Mm. So what has this guy done? I got to be honest with you, man. It's the trauma stuff. Just <laughs> looking into his affiliation in the 80s and seeing that he was involved. He does cinematography, but he also works as a camera operator. And so you'll see his involvement in... The Toxic Avenger 1 through 3, which you already have my attention. Like, if you worked on The <laughs> Toxic Avenger, we're good. I don't care what you did. If you picked up shit on the scene, like, we're good. But then he also worked on a specific movie that, spoiler right here for anybody who listens to Jamie's Top 5 War episode, this movie did not make his Top 5, and that was Troma's War. I was sad, That's but it's okay. True. You can only put 5, <laughs> I get it. But, yeah, man, here's the funny part is this guy, as he worked as a camera operator, here's your crossover, he worked on Maniac Cop 2. There you go. And, of course, we can't leave out the fact that he was the additional camera operator on Critters 4. Yes. I love that series. Well, hey, talk about guilty pleasure. He also worked on Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the movie. Oh, the movie. Some people don't even remember that's a thing. Oh, God, with Paul Rubens. Yes. Rest in peace, uh, Mr. Luke Perry. So you've got some happy hitters here. You do. Behind the scenes. And, you know, you tell me that you're going to get these three guys. Yeah, hell, just give me the writer and director, but then you're going to throw in some trauma love. You, these guys are going to film me a movie, and it's a, a shut-your-brain-off horror movie. I'm already involved. But you know what does it even more? It's when we run through the cast. Oh, yes. God bless America. That's right, indeed, because we're getting patriotic, man. we got to talk about a few of these people. Now, it's only right that we start off with Uncle Sam himself because in this movie he's the Uncle Sam killer, right? But his name is Sam Harper because he was a military guy but he was like a really bad person in real life. So I want to come out by saying he is an awesome boogeyman. He is an unforgiving piece of crap as the person, kind of like you take like, I think this movie pulls a lot of punches from Nightmare on Elm Street where you had like the street slasher killer, and then all of a sudden now he's the burned boogeyman, and he's got a lot of one-liners and stuff. I don't know if you picked up on any of those Croft instances, but anyways, yeah, dude, some. look, you give me a serial slashing Uncle Sam zombie, I'm in. That's all you're asking. That's hey, we just needed one, and we got it. Now I will say, an Uncle Sam two would be awesome. Yes, that would be cool. It, it actually, it's right, you know. It is, and all, this, this movie all was the going on. only like a two million dollar film. Right. I mean, that's pocket change nowadays. Oh, poof. Poof. <laughs> but what did you think about the get-up, man? Because it's not every day you see a serial-killing, patriotic Uncle Sam. I really enjoyed, you know, the stilted suit that he wore. <laughs> it it kind of threw me that he put all of his stuff on, which I'm sure we'll get to when he, put his, he pinned his own medals on. Yes. But then he put that suit over it. And walked around just caressing little burned children's uh, cheeks. <laughs> it, this was just the creep factor just went to 11. It did. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dude. And his look is... Aw- it, the detail of this zombie looks great. I mean, this They're was, not afraid to get up close. They're especially not. Especially like when he's in the coffin. Yes, this is some George A. Romero stuff, dude. Yes, sir. 
this is a zombie movie, and it's never acknowledged as one. Right, right. He doesn't bite people. He doesn't eat them. But is he maybe a ghoul? Hmm. He's no, got those no, wicked no. green eyes, though. He does. Those, oh, I could just fall into those eyes. Yeah, if that happens. I'm sorry. What? Uh, let's go back to that. <laughs> He was great, but you know what really blew me away was the cast of characters that surrounded him. Oh, the people he killed. That too. And the ones that killed him. <laughs> the cast of bodies that he put around himself. Well, throw one at me. Who do you want to talk about? Well, you know, the first thing that blew my mind uh, is one of the very first people that you see, which was William Smith mm. as as the major. You know, And this was a guy who at first I actually thought it was Vernon Wells. From Mad Max and uh, Weird Science. Okay. But then after watching the movie, and it's a pretty small part. I mean, it's the one right at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Mustache. And then I went, yeah. And then I went back and looked it up and saw, oh, no, that's that's the, the, the fighter from Any Which Way You Can. You know? And uh, he's in Red Dawn and, um, God, what was he else? Oh, oh, and Conan. That was the other one. And he was in a movie you might have heard of called Meet Me in St. Louis. All right, I didn't dive into his history because of how short his part was. Do you know who he played in Meet Me in St. Louis? Or do I need I to do look? Not. Okay, I'm yeah, I'm gonna have to look that up. But you know what blew my mind? The fact that, that we're talking about a movie with some, now. You said his name's William Smith. Yes. Yes. So his name's Will Smith, and this is an Independence Day movie. <laughs> Hold on, I'm getting something here. <laughs> That's cool though, man. See, just. This whole podcast, all the listeners, they're going to love this episode. And the thing I'm going to take away is this guy's in Meet Me in St. Louis. I need to look that That's up. That's right. <laughs> ah, I love musicals. Anyway. But yeah, I, you know, seeing him and I was like, oh, that's cool. Now, it kind of threw me a little bit because at first, okay, here's a chopper that's down. But now the chopper's been missing for three years and they just uncovered it. So, so that threw me a little bit. And then I was like, oh, so had he been alive the whole time as a zombie or as a whatever in that chopper when they found him? There's or... a lot of stuff that's not explained in this movie. Maybe they just let you make your own decision. I think they do, because if you notice, even in the opening, he like turns it on and turns it off. Yeah. You know, he's just like laying there, dead to the world, and we're talking about Sam Harper, right? He's sitting in cockpit and we find out that his chopper was shot down, and the whole premise of this movie is friendly fire, right? Yes. Like, don't talk about it. It happens in war. And the way that it, the way they talk about it is so weird because half the time it's like they're embarrassed by it, and the other half of the time it's like, oh, you know, well, shit happens. <laughs> and you're like, where's the middle ground of you know compassion? And but I think that even goes into more of the character of he just wasn't a good person. And so you wonder, did they shoot him down on purpose? Oh, yeah, it's true. Man. So many layers. That is so many layers. But it provides us our tagline for the movie, which is, don't be afraid, it's only friendly fire. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, so he kills the major, or he kills the sergeant first, and then he kills the major too, right? He does, because he takes the sergeant's head, and he pretty much turns that some bitch about 180 degrees, puts the gun to his chest, and blows through him, and the bullets go through and kill the major. So it's, so, it's time to pick him up. So I, who else? I don't think anybody else was there, was there? No, it was just them, but automatically you're liking this movie, because you're 15 minutes in, and you got two deaths. Yeah, exactly. Like, all right. Well, you know, speaking of deaths, I want to I want to say a shout out to to Lily, 
She uh, That's sat- not good, dude. <laughs> oh, no. She sat down and did me a kill count. Oh, okay. So there are actually 16 kills in this movie. 15 of them are men and one woman. And for a movie that's about 89 minutes, that means a kill every 5 minutes and 50-something seconds. Unless we have the reason this movie rocks. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Shout out to Lily. That's awesome. So we've already we're already like I said ten fifteen minutes in we've got two down, and I know this movie pretty much spends its time in the hometown uh, where Sam Harbor came from, and that is Twin Rivers. And I thought right away, I'm like, that's a cool name of a hometown. As long as somebody doesn't come by and knock down one of the rivers, and it becomes Lone River. Oof! I see what you did there. Ah, shout <laughs> out to Tiger Time. <laughs> oh man! But you know. I think the one thing that really captivated me about this movie was how committed everybody in the town is to this Independence Day parade. What? Talk about, I mean, the guy has a suit that he bought. He wears it 15 years in a row. He hasn't gained enough weight to not fit it. I'm amazed. <laughs> but I'm serious, man. Like, we talk about... I always am a sucker for, like, small-town stuff, and... The thing about this movie is, like, so many bad things and chaotic things happen in here. But you know what? The show must go on. And it blows my mind because anywhere else, you shut the shit down. Yeah, exactly. But no, we're putting our 4th of July on, baby. Yeah, they're like, everybody's waited all year for this. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure they'll get over it. Yeah. But it's okay. You know, this gives us a chance to watch, you know, 15 or 16 other people get it. (laughs) Yeah. We got to focus on the bakers because our main dare i say character in this movie is oh i didn't catch an age dude he's probably anywhere between 11 and 13 little jody baker yeah i'm with you because he's still playing with some awesome gi joe figures i was gonna ask you if you were a gi joe guy i was actually you know about that age for me oddly enough it was um buck rogers in the 25th century figures and the first and second series of gi joe's I didn't have all the stuff that he had, but I was right there with that kid. Did you retain any of those toys after all these years? I have some of my Buck Rogers stuff still. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, man. If we have time, I can tell you a very short, sad story. When I had gotten older and I ended up having to sell all of my action figures that I didn't put off to the side. Mm Mm-hmm. And a bunch of cousins bought them. Mm. You know, and then a while, a week or so later, I went over to their house. And I was like, hey, let's go outside and check out the G.I. Joes. And they took me back to their little shed playhouse. And they had strapped. Yes, they had strapped fireworks to them and <laughs> blown them up. Wow. So they were Sid from Toy Story before it was cool. <laughs> My goodness. Right. Yeah. Or a moment of silence for mm-hmm. Star Wars Snaggletooth. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you kept some of the Buck Rogers ones. Because uh, that's pretty much the ones I was like, oh, dude, you still have them? That's awesome. Sci-fi is awesome. Oh, but, dude, this kid blows my mind because the actor isn't known for a lot of stuff. Like, this movie's like introducing Christopher Ogden. I'm like, okay, cool. And he does a good job playing the way the character is written, I assume. But... It's so weird because he's this, and, and you know me, I'm a nice person, I'm a dad, but when I'm watching this movie, I'm like, he's a patriotic little asshole that needs a whooping. 
Okay, so counterpoint. Go. Why is he an asshole? Because he will literally walk into a room as he does in this movie, and he's like, "Why don't you shut up?" He wasn't now, even in that conversation. But okay, I thought maybe not all of them, but I thought most of them they deserved it. You well, know the way that he's talking to uh, his teacher later on, and the time he's talking to his his mom's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I was pretty much like, "Yeah, man, go, it's right." <laughs> Tell him, Jody. Well, allow me to continue, because what I was going to follow up with was, at times, he's a little awkward, and I like that version of him. But other times, he runs his mouth, and he disrespects adults. He has no discipline. And I I even wrote down, I hate that version, but it makes me laugh. (laughs) Because I'm like, you say that. I would have been outside picking a switch, or I would have been thrown in, out the window. <laughs> you know, there's no this kid. Flip flop. Yes. Oh. I agree with you, and like I, like you're saying, uh, as a, for a kid, I, I yes, I, I would have thought, well, man, that kid needs to be reined in. But the people, not all, okay, not all of them, but definitely those two characters, they kind of had it common. Yeah. You know, and and I, if if he'd have been twenty, it would have been great. You know, I'd have been fist. <laughs> You know? <laughs> he would have been a savage. <laughs> yeah. I did like how much he loved his uncle. Or let me rephrase that: the idea yeah. of his uncle Sam. You know, and you gotta love his mom and his aunt for 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 not breaking that. You know that bubble, right? Yeah, until, until he has to. You know, let let, let we're, we'll keep the pain. You keep the good memory. Yeah, there comes a point in time when you got to know when to tell kids the truth. And and that's something to talk about, too, because I don't know about you, man, but I've never known anybody in my life in that age bracket or even remotely around that age bracket that is so obsessed with the idea of joining the military. I get it when people were in junior high, maybe high school, they're doing ROTC right. program. Maybe their dad was in the program and they're being you know kind of passed down or something. But this kid, according to his mom and aunt, barely or shouldn't even remember his uncle, who's all about the yeah. military. So he's living off of photographs and letters that was left for him. And like you said, this idea that he has about his uncle. But this kid's like, he's already sold his soul. Oh, yeah. He's down for it. And that's, know, He's joining the service and he's going to kill people. Yeah, there's even a point when he's like, I don't know if I want to be in the Marines or the Army. And it's yeah. so funny because the look that we get from Sergeant Jed Crowley is amazing. It is. It is. And, and I love the way that he talks to him. Yes. But both early and then later on near the end. You know, he, he really puts it out. Why don't you tell us who plays Jed Crowley? It's Isaac Hayes, baby. Mr. Cool himself. Yes, sir. Chef. Chef, yes. <laughs> I don't know, man. I felt like he was the coolest character in the movie. Yeah. He was by far one bad mother. Beep. Well, you're supposed to say shut your mouth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love his costumes or, or what they put him in mm-hmm. in the movie, especially uh, when he comes to see him, or I guess when he comes to see Sam uh, laying him, you know, in in this, what do they call that, in the state? 
Oh, I was going to say just in the casket, yeah. Yeah, in the casket, you know, he comes to him. He's, you can tell he's just a civilian. He's really cool. But later on, when you see him at the festival and he's got his old uniform on, it's like, yeah, man, get that. You know, one thing that I thought interesting when I looked up Isaac Hayes real quick, um, dude had 14 kids. Holy moly. 14. I'm like, you go, Isaac. As only Isaac Hayes could do. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right. He was really awesome. I, I did enjoy him. And I like the mother and the the sister, or I guess his sister-in-law, Sam's sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have to tell you, they started getting them mixed up. Yes, they were fodder, man, because they have the same haircut, and you're going back and forth like, wait, I thought it was his mom. No, I thought that was his aunt. And they don't really put much importance on telling them apart. Like, neither one is more important than the other in the movie. Yeah, okay, good. I'm glad it wasn't. It's not just you, yeah. And So here's here's a question. Of course, I'll stop asking these questions. Okay. <laughs> so he reanimates three years after his death right. to kill these two people. Then weeks later, he's brought back home and by Bo Hopkins. Bo Hopkins. You know, man. Um, and then he reanimates again. So I'm like, does he, is he just like a narcoleptic zombie or something? Or I mean, what's, what's going on here? That makes me want to ask you one question that I found myself wondering. Is it similar to Michael Myers, where Michael Myers only kills in Halloween? If we're dealing with, let's say, three years to the day, maybe he only reanimates on the 4th of July. Oh, that's good. But didn't he kill the kids... Oh, no, it was in the early hours of the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was almost like the stroke of midnight. Ooh, pulling one out from the depths. Go, <laughs> go Phantom Dark Day! <laughs> but I, again, have seen this movie three or four times now, and that's that's the only logic I can make of it. No, that, that makes a lot of sense, man. And that that's why I want a part two, because I'm like, there's tons more years we can do this. But I guess right. uh, if you get blasted with a cannon, there's no coming back. There it is. <laughs> hey, how many other movies besides Pirates of the Caribbean where you can see someone get blasted with a cannon? It's true, yeah, it's true. Well, it's, it's Big Top's Pee Wee. Uh, oh, that's my a whole different. Gosh, dude, I haven't seen that. Is my favorite <laughs> Pee Wee Herman movie, but I haven't seen it in decades. Yeah, that would end. Uh, uh, Somebody uh, make me a cheese sandwich. <laughs> Tim Burton. All right. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Take it back out. Here we go. So, okay. So, so we know, as we've already said, that that he's gotten this, and he's killed two juvenile delinquents because they were vandalizing tombstones, burning an American flag. You don't do it. You don't do it for Uncle when Uncle Sam's around. That's for sure. And then he kills the kid. Well, and... even the way that he does, man, like it's okay. So. When he starts off in this movie, like, we're 36 minutes in, and we finally get Uncle Sam. I did the number count. 36 minutes in, if you want to go right to the Uncle Sam stuff. Wow. There it is. And there is a guy who is going to be Uncle Sam in the parade. He's on stilts. He's outside of this girl's window, second story, hence the stilts. He's staring at her. She gets out of the shower. She hears him. Yeah, yeah, he's a peeping Tom. But he runs away, and he gets chased down and murdered by Uncle Sam in a very jollo way, which I loved. Yep. And so now he is don- he's no longer donning his military outfit. He's in an Uncle Sam getup, and that's when he goes to the graveyard, and he's going to kill these punks. And I was mesmerized because the death scenes are so 
they're dumb, but they're creative dumb, and you get my approval on that because the first kid, he's like, oh, I gotta take a leak, so he's going to the bathroom, and their Uncle Sam character just comes up in red spray paint, sprays them in the face, and he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Then the white, and you're like, I see what's happening, and then the blue, the <laughs> kid falls into an empty grave where Sam is to be buried, and what does he do now? He buries the kid alive, Jamie. So you know, you know what, I, and I don't want to remake a movie, but you know what I thought would have been cool at that scene because i noticed the colors too okay you should have sprayed him blue and then white and then like slit his throat and it sprayed red on him oh yeah but that would have been like beyond epic at that point (laughs) (laughs) our head would have exploded from awesomeness (laughs) i can't take it (laughs) and man how creepy is that uncle sam mask with no eyes it is because as i mentioned earlier our zombie version has these glowing green eyes and not like uh, silly CGI glowing. Like, this dude oh. has in these contexts, it looks like he's got, uh, like, what, pool cue balls, like, in his eyes. It's amazing. It's like this lime green color. You know, and especially they show that again, like we are talking about. They get really close when he's in the coffin, in his full military dress uniform, mm-hmm. you know, and, and his skin is about as green as his uniform. Yeah, it's amazing. And not to keep going backwards, but we have to because there's so many things that happen. Is I like when you talked about and he's in his full getup and he puts his pins on because usually under your coat you would have some sort of you know shirt and tie. No, he just presses it into his crispy dead skin. Yeah. You hear oh. a crunch. It's awesome. <clears throat> I know. But fast forward, we're back to the Uncle Sam suit and – the two guys walk away, and then, of course, one of them's like, where's the other dude? We got to go back and find him. And the other guy's like, no, I got to go home before my dad realizes I'm gone. Okay, cool, whatever. He leaves. It's a good thing, too, because he's got a better kill later. So our mm-hmm. one guy goes back to see where his friend is, doesn't find his friend because his friend was buried alive, and he gets killed and hung up the flagpole. Right, right. And you underwear notice, and all. That's right. And you notice they never find him there. Like It switches to next day, and they're taking down the flag. I'm like, where did he go? Maybe that's just something that happens every, you know, every day or so. Oh, there's another corpse on the flag. These damn kids. (laughs) I'm not folding him. You fold him. Oh, man. So that means that when the town wakes up, it's 4th of July. It is time to party. Yes. And I've never been to a parade. Have you? Oh, my God. Yes. Okay, let me ask you a question. You know what I didn't see in this movie? What's that? Much of a parade. Oh, It was just a big county festival get together which looks cool okay i'm i'm down with food but everybody's getting ready for this parade i never see one well the only part that i could tell about when they're getting ready for the parade is when they're they're at the school mm-hmm. and sam beheads that third delinquent in in uproarious fashion and then he kills jody's teacher who spent some time in canada because he yeah. ran away from the war. Yeah. With a hatchet. Yes. And then shoots Sally's lawyer boyfriend, the other creep. And, man, he's, like, done with him. So then as they're coming out, that's when everybody's talking about, you know, getting in the in the, for the parade. And I, I want to say there's maybe, like, a five- or ten-second snippet okay. that shows the, them. But it's not even floats. It's like a pickup truck, if right. I'm not mistaken. And yeah, yeah. I like when you talk about the teacher who gets killed because even though 
we don't see the action of it. It's one of those scenes where the, the body falls down and the hatchet is practical and it's in his face and there's all the blood and the wound. It's done really well and I got serious vibes of Child's Play 2 where mm-hmm. the teacher, the whole school scene, yada yada. But good So luckily the townspeople decide there's too much going on and they cancel the event. Mm. Right? They do. No, of course not. <laughs> it's time to have a party. They've been waiting all year long. Well, they've got a very special guest showing up, too. Oh, dude. Okay, we have to talk about the special guest because Congressman Alvin Cummings is played by the Robert Forster. Yes, yes. And so it kind of made me scratch my head a little bit as to why this guy was in this movie. <laughs> you know what but, my notes say? Why is but, he in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is if you go back and look at the movies that Robert was in at that time, now I always remember him from from the Black Hole. Mm. Um, but if you start looking to the late '80s and early '90s, he was doing things like American Yakuza and Maniac Cop Three, oh, uh, and then Scanners, the Showdown, like all of this direct to video stuff. Can I throw in my favorite Robert Forster? Please. Alligator. Oh, there you go. That's true. So it's this movie comes out in 96. Yep. And guess what movie comes out in 97? Tell me. Jack Brown. Oh. Exactly. So that he, I mean, he goes from that to Jackie Brown, and then he goes on to Mulholland Drive, and wow. then Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Oh, wait, never mind. I mean, um, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it was like, Amazing to think that he made this movie and then probably within six months was filming Max Cherry scenes as Jackie Brown. It's one of those things where you can tell he just does what he wants. And the thing about this movie is I know we describe it the way we do, but he didn't act like this was just a paycheck. He acted like this was fun because he got to play a political guy that I'm not going to say he's an asshole because he thought he was doing right, but he was yeah. so funny. And dude, he has one of the coolest death scenes in the movie. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Which if you're good with it, we'll save until the very end. Okay. Uh, so, so he, there he's showing up and Sam is showing up everywhere. There's the potato sack race. Oh, Dude, Jamie, how long did they have to go? That was the Holy longest. Crap, I was thinking the same. Is this, <laughs> is this a potato sack marathon or a race? Mashed God, potato. Those kids were like dropping left and right before Sam even showed up. Oh man! And it didn't help that homeboy was pushing and knocking everybody down. Get out of the way, girl! You girl! Oh man, he comes going down the hill, and that's whenever uh, you talked about it, he got decapitated. And I gotta say, props or no props, that looked awesome. Yeah, there are some very cool practical effects in this film, and you and I are both big lovers of the practical effects. Yes, we are, but dare I say, no CGI? They didn't, either it was off-screen or practical. There was no in-between. Yeah, I didn't see any. Oh, I, I, love it. Uh, see what you could do for just $2 million? Give us this yeah. movie. Yeah. Well, you want to, okay, sidebar here. Okay. You know what you can do for $500,000? What's that? You can make Bubba Hotep. Oh, $500,000 of a hotel. And that's with Bruce Campbell. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yep. Just, uh, I just did a show, which actually comes out on Friday, 
right before this one will yep, come out. Yesterday. So sure. it'll already be out, so y'all go out and, and look for it. But uh, me and my friend Kevin talk about uh, Bruce Campbell roles, and it blew me away that that movie was $500,000. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Huh. yeah. I love it. We I should have it. better movies. <laughs> <laughs> There's something to be said about passion. That's really what it boils down to. If you have an idea and you're passionate about it, regardless of the budget, it can go far. That's the definition of you look up the word trauma. There it is. Oh, Lloyd Kaufman to a T. There you go. <laughs> the race continues, but Sam decides this is the time that he and the congressman need to have talks in chambers. Hmm. And by chambers, I mean tie him up to the fireworks display. Dude. Everybody is minding their business until they realize, oh, the display's about to go off. And so everybody draws their attention to a severe angle up a hill. And they see mm. this white picket fence where the display, you know, it's safe, right? It's not really people. But it's not safe for Robert Forster because he is tied to this fence and he has slowed it down, including in his mouth, with fireworks. Yes, exactly. You know, there. I mean, this is going to go off, baby. It's going off. And I think it looks to me like they stuck fireworks into his chest and in his stomach. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they went off, they went off. They did. And there, there's a couple of cut scenes where you can tell it's a dummy up there, but then it immediately cuts back and it's almost like a stuntman. But then it zooms in and you can see it's Robert Forster. So like I said, they practically go all out. And I'm sold on this because I just want to see this guy go up in flames. <laughs> right. And when he does, and then, oh. not, I mean, no, you don't even take a breath. The deputy gets it, being impaled on a flagpole. Man, he that explosion happens, right? Robert Forrester is done. It knocks that deputy off his feet. He comes tumbling down a hill, and Uncle Sam's going to catch him. But, yeah, with that flagpole. And you're right, dude. He gets impaled. It goes all the way through. And that's one less deputy and one less character and one more to our 16 deaths. That's right. And the next death is the death of Sam's ideal of his heroic uncle. Because now his mom and his aunt take him and explain to him, yeah, Sam wasn't such a nice guy. He wasn't a great brother, and he sure wasn't a good father. I mean, a good uh, husband. You know, this is the part that blew me away on this watch because when I first watched this movie back in 96, I was a teenager. And so I was focusing on the deaths, I was focusing on the practical effects, and this, that, and the other. So all the acting was fine or whatever. But I'm not going to catch every single thing that's said in, in dialogue, you know. And I had not remembered the detail that's given about how bad of a person he is. I remember he was like, oh, he killed people, he was mean. Because, again, this guy joined the military so he could get a kill card for free, yeah, basically. A free, a free pass to kill people. That's it. Exactly. But no, we find out Sam Harper like molested his sister and the friends. And you're like, what? That's heavy, dude. It was. It was. And the thing that I I liked about this script was that Jody, you could tell Jody was a smart guy. He just had his ideals in the wrong place. He He was placing his bets on something that wasn't true. And I think once it all came out to them and then... When Barry, well, of course, the, the soft touch that Barry got from Uncle Sam, but uh, when it's like when Barry tells him, he, he, he takes it all in stride and says, yeah, you're right. It is him. Yeah. Which surprised me a lot because so many times you see the little petulant children who 
you know, no, that's not true. That's right. Not- and that's what we get for a little while until it's proven, like you said. And man, real quick, we talk about Barry. His mom, played by the great PJ Souls. Like, why is she in this movie? Who does she know? <laughs> I love the fact that she... And I did not recognize her. No? I was like, who? Am, oh, crap! Okay. Kappa, kappa, hey! <laughs> oh, man, I love PJ Souls for all her work in the 70s. That's where my heart lies. Man, she's... I mean, Carrie, Halloween... That's it. Two of the best horror movies ever made. Love it. Got, got that right. Uh, but her cameo is just as long as three or four other people in this movie, uh, just like Robert Forster, in and out, and she doesn't die. She just faints and needs to go to the hospital. And did you notice how her husband, who's Barry's dad in this movie, cares more about her than his blind son in a wheelchair? Oh, he just leaves him. Yes. <laughs> he's like, like, oh, he's in good company. <laughs> he's got wheels. He can get home. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, holy crap, it's your son, dude. He's got wheels. I'm dying. Uh, You made my day, I just want to say. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, you're right, like Bo Hopkins, in and out. Oh, dude, and so when they go home, because they realize we need to go, uh, we're going to look in the casket, and I'm going to show you that it's Sam. And, of course, there's a body in there, but it's not Sam's body, because we know he's Uncle Sam lifted up, and Bo Hopkins is dead in there. And that's okay with me, because... Even though it was cool to see Bo Hopkins, boy, he was kind of a creep. Yeah, he was Letcher's for sure. He was yeah. like, he did, does this job just so he can sleep with the will, widows. Yeah, it's like, oh, he's a caring fellow. And then you're like, oh, no, he's a turd. <laughs> but Old turd. Uh, but that's okay. We don't mind. You know, Sergeant Twinning, you get what you deserve. That's right. That's right. So they've all gotten together, and oddly enough, you know, you're thinking that the the parents are going to figure something out or the adults know what to say. No, man, the kids, yeah. the kids are the ones, they're not scared. They know what's going home, you know, and the boys take Jed home and realize that's because Sam is probably going after his, well, if he's not dead, I guess it's still his wife, but I would think his widow. But. Yeah. And it's Barry who says, he's like, if it was me, I'd go after my wife. Yeah. Like, what's wrong I mean, with this kid? The, these kids are smart. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And of course, he does show up. And you know what happens then? I do. And we talked about things that we saw earlier, and we kind of saw they're going to do this parade. We maybe get a glimpse of the parade. One thing you do get a glimpse of is one of the rarest weapons used in a horror movie, and that's a cannon. Yes. Yeah, and Jed got a trailer hitch for it. He does, somehow. <laughs> Oh, they take that cannon from the school. They take it over to the house where Sam is. And, you know, to be fair, they try the rational things first. Jed unleads six shots. I shot him six times into Sam Harper, but bullets don't stop him. And it throws. (laughs) You like that? (laughs) The reference there. Oh, it took a minute, but I got it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Please continue. Uh, No, it's good. It's fun. Um, But, yeah. Isaac Hagg's and, and his bum leg go flying all the way into the living room. And so that's when we realize we need more firepower. If Tim Allen was in this movie, he would say, more power! And oh. so they go outside. And the only way to get Uncle Sam outside is by having Jody basically lure him out. And they're able to do it. And once they get lined up, let's light that fire! But you know what? If it doesn't work once, do it again. It's... That's what you, I mean, you always go two shots, right? You do. Yeah. You not, follow them down, you know? 
and Sam goes up in, oh my God, in righteous fire. It does, and he goes on into the side of the house. Yes, and they say I read in the trivia that if you watch it just right, you can see the pull strings. But rightfully so, because when he gets hit by that cannonball, that stuntman or dummy or whatever they use gets yanked like twenty five yes. feet back through that window. Yes, yeah, and oh. and so supposedly Sam is dead, but is he ever really dead? I guess I we'll have know. to wait till next Fourth of July to, to find out. The one thing that's eerie to end this movie is how else would you end it than with Jody? burning all of his G.I. Joes and his military toys. Dude, kid, do you know what those things are worth on eBay? <laughs> You're over here saying, you should have sold them to your cousin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I thought was a very cool little ending. The only thing was, is whose house are they at? Where's that burning barrel come from? <laughs> right, you know, because wouldn't all of his toys been burned already? Oh, you're right, because the house. <laughs> oh, no, 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 that was his aunt's house. Oh, so, so they're going to just right. destroy everybody's house. Okay. Fire there everywhere. Fire, 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 fire. You know, we get one of the my most favorite things, and shout out to Neil, because I know he's mentioned this before, that he loves it too, the classic freeze frame ending. Mm-hmm. Something very 80s. Yes, yes. And so, that's it, man. Our 90-minute horror movie is over, and we celebrated... The 4th of July with 16 deaths. So, Jamie, I gotta know, man, like, you know you like this movie, but is this a movie that you would recommend to somebody? It would have to be a special person, to be completely honest, because when I go to recommend a movie to someone, it's either something that has blown me away and I think it's gonna be, uh, you know, loved by everybody. Say, Shaun of the Dead. I would recommend Shaun of the Dead to just about anybody. Someone who likes romance, someone who likes you know, horror movies, someone who likes comedy. It hits all the bases. This movie, I would have to know that that person was a true horror fan and could appreciate it the way you and I appreciate it. There it is. Otherwise, 15 minutes into it, they're going to be like, oh, this is crap. Where's, right. the, where's the killer? No, there's so many layers to this movie. There is. And we didn't even talk about everyone. And so to get further into detail, you've already dropped it. I dropped it on last episode. People, this movie is available for free on Tubi TV. You have our recommendations. If you follow us on Twitter, if you're in the horror community and you happen to have skipped over this movie, celebrate 4th of July. Give it a watch. It's free. And Tubi TV, if you're out there, we do take sponsorships. We sure do. And Monster, if you're listening, you don't have to turn me down twice. Okay. <laughs> I swear, I think if we cut you, you would bleed, Monster. It's true. It's happened. Uh, <laughs> green, in fact. Would you recommend this movie to people? I steal your answer, man. I would, but only to the right person. So, like, if I found out that Neil hadn't seen it, I would tell Neil to see it. If I find out that any of our SIP Network brothers haven't seen it, I would recommend it to it. Anybody I talk to on the normal that likes, because, you know, this movie is the full aesthetic of 90s horror, and that has its own look and its own vibe. Yeah, you've got to love the horror movie. Right. As we did on your episode, and we talked about those movies, you notice we didn't talk Scream, we didn't talk Urban Legend, we didn't talk I Know What You Did Last Summer, Disturbing Behavior. That's a particular audience. We talked about straight-to-video releases and obscure 90s horror movies. Hell, like this one I saw on USA Network. You know what I mean? And that audience alone gets my full recommendation. If you know what you're getting into, you'll love it. Yeah. yeah. So, was I wonder, was that on USA? Oh, 
all night. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was no Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, and Rhonda <laughs> Cheer. I love you, Rhonda. <laughs> oh, Jamie, man. It's been such a good time celebrating yes. 4th of July with you. This is something I don't do very often. You know, 4th of July is, a, you know, we don't go to the lake. We don't shoot off fireworks or anything. We're very city, suburban, just kind of air conditioning people. But you know what? <laughs> From here on out, if I can find more of these horror movies, it's a tradition that I love. We'll keep doing it. But more than anything, man, I just want to thank you for taking the time to come on here yet again. But just in case this is somebody's first time hearing you on here and they're like, man, this guy, I like him. Tell us again about your podcast and where they can find you. Well, thank you very much. I loved being here. You're always just such a treat, man. Um, but yeah, so Faith Five from Fans is a weekly podcast that comes out usually on Fridays. Yes, I have had technical problems. But it's a show that every episode I invite someone who shares a common interest. We create lists of five of our favorite, not the best, not the most popular, but the favorite things. And when then we sit down to discuss them, five, four, three, two, one in reverse order. And every episode, every week is something different. You're going to have horror movies. You're going to have gangster movies. You're going to have Batman and comic books. You're going to have Larry Cohen. You're going to have just so many cool things. So if you like things, then you'll like the show. So go look for us. We're on all the podcast places that would let me on. Um, <laughs> we're on <laughs> Apple Podcast, Podbean. We're on Spotify, Podcatcher. We're on Stitcher, Intune. And then we're also at the Acadiana Open Channel, who is at www.aoc.org. And you can find all of the episodes and some other great podcasts from local Lafayette-based podcasters. That is a lot of verbiage, and I love it. up another episode of the podcast from another world where jamie ray and i talked about the 1996 horror comedy uncle sam what did you guys think how many of you have seen it how many of you are going to watch it for the first time how many of you are never going to watch it now and how many of you are going to want to watch it again if you liked hearing jamie ray you can go hear him on the capricorn one episode or head over to the Fave 5 from Fans podcast, where every week he does a cool Top 5 countdown. And you can even hear me as I joined him on Top 5 Musicals or Top 5 Jimmy Stewart Movies. The Fave 5 from Fans podcast, just like this show, is part of the slightly irregular podcast network, where we are joined by the Angry Dad podcast, the Paranormal Pativity podcast, the Terrible Terror podcast, the Back in Time podcast, Dead Hand Radio, and the From the Waste podcast. So if you like anything from horror to science fiction, the Cold War to dystopian, motivation to paranormal, or just want to relive the nostalgia of your childhood, the SIP Network has you covered. 
You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. Just go find us. Next week, Brian from the Terrible Terror Podcast is covering my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street film, and he is going to be joined by a very special guest. And no, I know what you're thinking. It's not me. Just going to have to wait and find out. But please stay tuned because the fun doesn't stop there. On July 18th, the podcast from Another World is back with another episode where Andy from the Black Cat Shadow is making his debut to the show and we are throwing down on a classic horror film from 1979. I'm talking James Brolin. I'm talking Margot Kidder. Yes, you know what it is. It's going to be the Amityville Horror, a franchise I live for. So please make sure you are subscribed to the Terrible Terror podcast so you get all of Brian's amazing episodes and these little episodes that I contribute. So please stay safe, stay cool, happy 4th of July, and I'll catch you in two weeks. for listening to this episode of the podcast from another world don't forget to follow dave on all of his socials out there uh where you can find him dave underscore phantom out there on twitter the podcast from another world on instagram and where else you can find him also dave's pop culture podcast out there on youtube as well don't forget to follow the sip network that is at network sip on twitter sipnet.us out there on the webs and then just uh, SIP Network, I believe, on Instagram. So go ahead and follow it, and you can find such great podcasts out there as Dead Hand Radio, uh, the podcast from the world, of course, From the Waste, the Angry Dad podcast, Paranormal Pativity, Five Faith from Fans, It Be Like That podcast, Back in Time podcast, and of course, the Terrible Terror podcast. I hope you guys have a great and safe holiday here in the U.S. Uh, the rest of y'all, I just hope that you're all well and that you're safe and wherever you are. So uh, we'll see you next time on another episode. And uh, yeah, see you later.